welcome to Motherhood Designed, a podcast about balancing all aspects of life as a mother. Join me, Gabriella Dokus, each week as I sit down with a different guest to discuss how they've designed their own version of motherhood. Today's episode is a conversation with Sarah Banks, the founder of the beautiful luggage brand Steamline Luggage and Mom to Four Boys. Sarah is currently doing something incredible and traveling the world with her family, spending several weeks or months at a time in destinations like Greece, Colombia, and Kenya. Our interview was really an incredibly interesting one, with Sarah sharing everything from the benefits and challenges of traveling as a family, to making lasting connections across the globe, to how her kids have adapted to such a unique upbringing. I know you'll love listening to her family's story, as well as how she's continued to manage and grow Steamline while experiencing other cultures and homeschooling her children. Enjoy. Today, I'm talking to Sarah Banks of Steamline Luggage. Sarah, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, I just have to say something. I love your tagline, you know, how we're each designing our own version of motherhood, because I Mm -hmm. think it's so true. And I just, you know, we need to like hold space for that as well. So I just, I, I wanted to say that straight away. I think it's a great premises to have a podcast. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I, um, I came up with that kind of on the fly when I started this podcast, but I talked to um, a mom who was the founder of Cub Wrap a couple months ago, and I remember she said something about, you know, no judges, and we're all doing our own thing, and there's yeah. no room for judgment, so I I like right. how it's kind of come full circle there, so thank you. Right, exactly, and I think that there needs to be a sort of like com- camaraderie, you know, we support women and businesses and friendships and everything else, and like motherhood is that sort of vulnerable space, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's. I mean, it's really important and we are all doing our own thing and um, learning from each other. So I, yeah, I think it's amazing. Anyway. So let's start with a little bit about you. So where you're from, um, where you currently yeah. are, which I know is so a question we'll get into with probably a little bit more detail in a bit and how many kids you have in their ages. Yeah. So I'm originally from Lake Superior, um, straddling two states that a friend of mine affectionately calls Minnesconsin. So we lived in <laughs> Wisconsin and went to school in Minnesota. So um, pine trees, rivers, cold water are really in my blood, or maybe just cold in general, actually, which is probably why I'm sort of drawn to warmer climates. Warmer climates. Um, although I do live in Ireland with my family, my husband, and four kids, and that's not actually a very warm climate as it is. <laughs> but anyway, we are currently in Lamu. Kenya. So it's just a little island off of Kenya. Um, my kids are aged, I have four boys aged uh, almost 10, eight, six, and three. There's a lot to unpack there. Four boys is a lot of boys. <laughs> it's a lot of boys. Um, but it's, you know, it's really great. Like, I mean, obviously, we, you know, I would unabashedly say we were going for a girl in the end and, you know, got another boy. And with the setup that it is and just like how I'm watching them develop, it's really like there's something really nice about same sex siblings. It's not mm-hmm. a gentleman's family, like the, the traditional, you know, Yeah. but it's um, they they get on really well. They do the same things. You know, they're, they have real strong bonds of friendship with each other, mm-hmm. um, which is just which is really amazing to see. So I wouldn't obviously change it now for the world, but it does keep me busy and <laughs> it's really fun. 
Yeah, it's a specific type of parenting. I um I taught in all boys school prior to becoming a mom, and it's the relationships boys have with each other are really I think much sweeter than people oh, that's so interesting think yeah. about. Um, they're you know they're less emotional, but they are very sweet with each other in their own way. So I I agree with that. Um, so explain to us a little bit what your family is currently doing because, like you said, you're <laughs> off the coast of Kenya right now. Um, you live full-time in Ireland, but I know you've been traveling a little bit. Um, so what spurred that that desire to kind of travel the world with your kids? Well, um, my husband and I met at Trinity College. I was doing a year of study abroad there from okay. a liberal arts school in the States, you know, getting a liberal arts education and um, went to Trinity for the year we met um, and then courted around the world for um, some time after that. He came to stay with me in Argentina when I was living there. And then I went to meet him in India. We traveled around for a while on an Enfield motorbike, which we continue, we did two other times prior to getting married after that. Um, then he came to visit me in my hometown. And then I um, went, and then he came to stay with me while I was living in Gloucester at the time. And he had just finished a, a, a trip around the world himself. And so we, and I said, he was hanging out with me for a while. And I said, you know what, go back to Ireland. <laughs> sort your life out and maybe I'll follow, which I did three months later. So I moved over there. And I think, I think that basis has always been in our blood, in our relationship. That was something that we were always really drawn to together. So this type of travel that we're doing now has always been a pipe dream of ours. It was something that we always talked about wanting to do with once we had kids. Um, we actually had intended on doing it before, after our third um, son was born and then got pregnant with the, the fourth. And then COVID happened. And so things were sort of grounded a little bit. But the pandemic actually just reignited our desire to do this. You know, we got a real taste of remote working, homeschooling. And we just said, you know what, this is really the time to do it. And um, I remember saying it to um, some of the girls on my team at the time. And they were like, this is crazy. You know, this is like, I don't know if we can sell this story. Everybody wants to get rid of their kids and put them back into school and you're taking them out of school and traveling around the world with them. Um, and I was just, it, it just, it felt really natural to us. And so we left October of 21. So we've been traveling for 15 months and we were only supposed to go for a year. But when the year month, when the year anniversary came around, we just said, you know what? I like, we even talked about it with my eldest son and said, should we just keep going? And he's like, yeah, this has been so much fun. So um, we went to, um, left Ireland, started in Greece, went to Mauritius and stayed there for six months where we kind of found our feet, got our routines and rhythms with homeschool and working and everything else and with each other. And then um, went to Bali, Australia, wow, North America, and then down to Colombia and then um and then now we're in kenya and this is actually our third time on this island and this is our first repeated place that we've been to um and i think that's been really important for us to see because we've had a lot of friends that we've kept in touch with over the years like we have a whatsapp group with the maasai warriors that we became friends with and like lots of people on the island so um when we left each of those other countries because we do slow travel and we stay in places for slightly longer than just dashing around. We've really um, developed a sense of community and friends where, where we are. So it feels like we've left some wonderful friendships in our wake and that we've kept in touch with um, a number of people from every place that we visited. So for us to come back to a place like this, I think it was really important for us to show the kids that this is these are how these international 
relationships are developed and sustained, you know, that you don't just like make friends and say goodbye and then leave them forever is that you can develop these relationships and keep in touch with them now, you know, so it's like, and pen palling is so much easier now that it's WhatsApp and that we just, um, when we arrived on the Island, we didn't even tell anybody the specific time or date that we were coming in, but a couple of the Maasai warriors were on the jetty waiting for us. And like, it was just like a mini reunion when we came back, you know, just everybody was sort of remembering us after, after all that four years. And then we were here five years ago and four years ago. So that's where we are and how that started. And I guess, yeah, it, 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 it has been something that we've always wanted to do. Plus I think being in the travel industry as I have been, it's, you know, I mean, and, and making luggage, this is just like part of our DNA, you know, to, to travel, to explore, to, you know, to slow travel in particular, like is one of our taglines and models for Steamline is to just like slow down and look up. It's like really about just like taking time to absorb a place and a people and, you know, really feel the energy of a place that you're in and just like really live it. So um, it's, it's, it really suits us and it suits incidentally the business as well. This whole story is so amazing. <laughs> I feel like there's just so much to unpack in everything that you just said. Wow. I mean, taking your kids around the world, I mean, truly around the world, not just the Western tourist countries of the world. It sounds like you've been to a lot of places that kind of potentially test your comfort zones, their comfort zones, and manage to make wonderful friends mm. through it. Um, mm. It's just mm-hmm. such <laughs> such a cool experience. Um, what do your kids think of this? I, you know, at least three of them are probably at the age where they can articulate very clearly the impact of the experience. How are they reacting to this? Because it's so unique. Yeah, they love it. I mean, I can say that hands down that it's been, I mean, first of all, they're just getting so much concentrated time with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also they're, they are so adaptable. I mean, children are, people are, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. Like right. people are really unbelievably adaptable and you think, you know, like that routines are really important for children and they are, but like routines can be developed in any place that you go as well. Yeah. You know, so we have been taking a certain routine with us as we go, but I think just like the experience, like we're staying in beautiful homes around the world, you know, like most places have a pool, like they're getting to like really um, exercise their, their confidence. They, they're never alone because I mean, one of the beautiful things about having so many kids, I guess, <laughs> is that is that you know I they don't they don't ever get bored with each other, so that they've got inbuilt friends wherever you know, and there's a real confidence and like sort of camaraderie that is developed in that. So like one and three can hang out, two and four, you know, all of them together, you know, one and two pair off nicely, you know. So it's really like they never get sick of each other. There's like they don't really have time to spat. I mean, they do spat, of course, because kids do, but like not re they. You know what? They actually really don't that much. If somebody's getting sick of somebody else, they just go off and do find something else to do. You know, so it's not. um, Yeah, and so I and like that. You know, I I am very conscious. I mean, particularly with Milo because he's almost ten on March (laughs) ninth, and um, he, I I'm very aware that you know if we had done this when you know any older. That they that you solidify more friendships and things like that at school, and so all along the way, if Milo says we he wants to go home, we're going to go home. And and to be honest, we are sort of reaching a natural time that we're thinking about, like say going back. We're trying to buy a house in Ireland to sort of like reinstill our place, our place in a community there that we left, and we 
um, we did go back just in between Colombia and Kenya. We did go back to Ireland for 10 days just to, um, you know, we just had a few things to do and it was like sort of a natural stopover in the, in the flight path trajectory to go there. And I was curious how this was going to land on them. You know, are they going to get really homesick? Are they going to feel out of place? And it was really interesting. Like Milo walked into my mother, you know, my mother-in-law's kitchen and was like, oh my gosh, it feels so small. And it's not, not because, not because her, you know, she's got a really, you know, she's got a decent size house, but it was just like, I think he wasn't used to living in four walls because we had been living such an outdoor, indoor, outdoor life. And then also like his perspective on the world had changed so much, you know, so it was really, um, it was really interesting. And of course they all jumped into their friend groups and they knew we were leaving. So I think that they were ready to leave, but they also know we're coming back home again. So Uh, we've been like transparent with that and building them along the trip, you know, that their, their values and opinions are very much heard in our family, you know, just um, not that, you know, so, um, so they, so they, they love it. And I think that I, I also think that they understand and they can see their own growth and confidence developing, you know, like they're very quick now to like, when they meet somebody to shake their hand and say, nice to meet you and ask them their name you know, we have a real emphasis on learning people's names as you go. Um, and so I think that, and, um, and I think that they can see that. I think that they now like things that maybe that they were more nervous of in the beginning come more naturally to them. And then, yeah, so I, I think that they can really see the merits. I mean, poor Felix, our youngest, he who's three won't remember. He just turned three and he, we, we are very much aware he won't remember any of this. Um, but I think for him, it's been really beneficial because had he been at home, the kids, the three older kids would have been going to school and he would have been with a nanny or, or doing something else. And like in this, in this regard, he's just brought up right with them. He's like one of the gang. So I think he'll really benefit in other ways that may, you know, that won't, I mean, apart from like them solidifying themselves as this like great nucleus, like of, of, of people. Um, I think that he's going to really benefit from it just because he's now one of the brothers very much so. Yeah, that makes sense. And what an amazing experience. I mean, especially for your older kids, they're going to look back on this and, you know, I, I just, it's, I can't imagine having that profound an experience, um, as such a young child. And I think it's, you know, you'll, you'll definitely see the rewards yeah. of that. It's, I, we, you know, we did, uh, when I was growing up, we moved to England when I was eight, um, cause my dad traveled a lot for work and, um, and it was, it, it was probably, I mean, all, all me and my brother and sister, I'll say that that was like probably the most impactful year of our childhood because we, you know, we got teased for, having American Yankee accents, you know, and, and then in the beginning, and then had to like insert ourselves as like outsiders into the, into the community, into the school. And when I went home and when we went home, I mean, my overwhelming memory of the time was just how little had changed and how, how big the world was, you know, how small everything felt, how, how big now my world was, even though we had gone to just this one place, like how, you know, I, I recognized that you know, there was a bigger world out there. And I think like, although the kids don't express that now, I think that that's something that I'm really happy to give them that perspective, you know, to just like be, you know, more mindful of people's cultures and, and, and the way, and way they do things. And that, that it's just inherent, you know, it's like, you know, they're, they, they're not, um, 
in a school per se, but they, well, they, they are in a little school just at the moment in the mornings, just for the experience, really. I mean, it's, um, and, you know, they're one of the, you know, few white kids and it's not, it doesn't even phase them. You know, it's not like it, when we are in Colombia, like none of the, the, the little town and community that we visited was this little, um, was this um, village outside of Medellin called Venecia, which was absolutely gorgeous. And nobody, I'm the only one who speaks Spanish. And so nobody else did. And I could not believe how we were taken in by this community, how, you know, all the kids would come up to him and say, but oh God, oh God, you know, like wanting to them to play, even though there wasn't a common language and like for them to also know what that feels like then to, to when, when they see new kids, you know, when they see that there is somebody else that's a little out of their element, how to bridge that barrier, how to, how to make that sort of cultural or jump or or welcome people in strangers into a community or something like that so hopefully it'll go both ways for them I mean is my hope (laughs) yeah no it sounds like it and it's just I mean the more you the more you say the more I just think about how it's such an incredible experience so it's amazing that you're giving that to your kids and that you've had the the courage to do it because uh I think most people would not um so it's very very special the, the you know the hardest part about it was just leaving yeah genuinely i i think that was the that everyone said what was the hardest part about this whole trip and it was just leaving packing up doing something that went against the grain you know like feeling like i was like taking the kids out from their routines and their friendship circles and their school and just like knowing but like when we actually left the school and or just you know said goodbye to them and said we're going to be back you know but individually the teachers all came out to me and said you're doing the right thing you know, and that just felt really empowering because to be supported in something that I, that felt, un, felt like nobody else was doing it. And that, and that, that, that was hard. It was just, just, just the leaving. And then everything else has just been a more rewarding experience than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. And it sounds like it's travel has been in your DNA and your husband's DNA and your relationship's DNA for quite a while. And obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Steamline was founded out of that passion. So let's talk a little bit about your history in founding Steamline and and how you came up with the idea and what hole in the market you hope to fill. I know it's been about 15 years since you founded the brand and what led you to create it? I'm, I'm so curious. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't a totally... Well, it was, I guess it was pretty linear now that I mean, but I, I, I moved, I moved to Ireland. So after I sent my husband going saying, go sort yourself out, maybe I'll follow. And like promptly three months later, I was living in Ireland. Um, I set up a business. So I was selling soft accessories to boutiques in the UK and in Ireland. So I was attending a lot of trade shows and um, I was standing in the booth and watching all these like beautiful women come in with their like beautiful coats and their fancy handbags and, you know, buying for their individual boutiques. And always, you know, they, in, in a trade show setting, I don't know if you've ever been, but they're usually near an airport and everybody that comes is usually just off the airplane carrying their luggage. And every single piece of luggage was like brown, boring or black, boring ratty or just blah, you know and I just thought this really lets the whole fashion picture down <laughs> you know you yes your largest scene accessory you know you should have something that was really beautiful so as a girl that grew up and like my you know trawling through my grandmother's you know my very elegant stylish 
grandmother who worked in the fashion industry in New York when she's before she got married, you know, she had all like the beautiful hats and trunks full of treasures. And so I think it was a really natural progression for me to just say, okay, let's bring the elegance back to travel. Let's get back to the old school glamour. Let's do a leather case. And so the first prototype came out and I did the first prototype around 2008. Um, but at the time I still had this other business going, you know, so it was, it was really a slow build, you know, I mean, when you're selling like soft accessories, like scarves and things like that, there's a certain value to it. This steam light has always been bootstrapped. It's always just been self-funded and we don't come from a lot of money. So it's just been one business feeding the other business. Um, so it's been a slow, it was a sort of a slow build. And then in 2013, right before Milo, our eldest was born, we just carved one business away and I just was like, you know, I'm way more passionate about the luggage and let's just run with this. And we turned it into, moved away from the wholesale um, side of things and then just turned it to like a, a retail e-commerce um, B2C business. Um, and that was that was sort of an accident because it was, I think, Lucky Lucky Magazine. Do you remember that magazine? I do, it's not, yeah. It, it no longer exists, but it was super popular. And that was the first to pick us up because the luggage itself is really photogenic. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's- I have, you know, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, so it's it's very eye-catching, very photogenic. So it was picked up by Lucky. And then from there, the American market just like completely opened up to us. So even though all my other, biz, my business was based in Europe, um, the- the States just um, exploded on us. So it was really, it was really amazing. So it just, it, it was sort of a natural progression then at that stage. It's interesting that you made the point about, you know, when you were starting out in this, this business that everyone had the same brown and black luggage. Um, I think in the last couple years, things have really changed and you see more colorful luggage and really more stylish changed. luggage, mm -hmm. but you were really ahead of yeah. the curve there and you've been doing it for well over a decade now. Lucky Magazine is such a throwback to hear about. I mean, they used to advertise on I TV a million years ago. So it's, right. it's you were really right. very much ahead of the curve in, in creating this brand. So you mentioned that um, you really kind of started to focus very intensely on the luggage side of things right around the time your oldest son was born. How did having kids impact the development of your company? Um, did mm. it at all? Or was mm. it just trying to balance both all the time? Or what did that look mm. like for you? That's a really good question. I mean, you know, these, I think the way it's really interesting how, you know, women balance like motherhood and business because it's a challenge and, and it depends on your support structure. It depends on what you, what you want to do for, I guess for me, steam, I was just, a, it, it was always, you know, probably because we, we were bootstrapped, you know, because it was just, you know, one thing was just like feeding the growth slowly. And it was just, um, it was just being spurred on by word of mouth. Mostly, you know, we're so fortunate to have gotten so much press and, you know, just sort of natural traction with it that, I think because I, I it coincided with me having children, it was it was just supposed to be a sort of a lifestyle business. I mean, that's the way, that's kind of the way I wanted. I didn't need a bunch of investors that I had to be beholden to. I didn't want to be taken. I mean, I I, I did work through every single maternity leave, which I wouldn't recommend for people, you know. And in some ways, I I I wish you know I, I wish I had taken more time to sort of like transition 
especially for your first, you know, when it's all you have and then those like early cuddly days. And I just remember like being at the computer and trying to like breastfeed him and type away or have a, have a call and like quickly like rushing him off to like my husband or somebody else to like take the baby. So I could like pretend I was like in my office still or whatever, you know? And, um, I think for me in my instance, because I didn't ever really set out like when I graduated, when I moved to Ireland, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't such an amazing buzzword as it is now. I mean, I guess, or maybe, maybe it just wasn't in my circle then. And I just, you know, I guess like having your own business, but it wasn't like uh, a major dream to like go really big or to do things. Now, I mean, in some ways now I, where I am, it really suits me that this is like this. So I can be traveling the world that we have a fully remote team. Um, but at the same time, now I'm really seeing that like Steamline has got amazing growth opportunities in front of us. And now I'm kind of at this point where it's like, okay, the, the kids are, the kids are old enough. You know, we, we could get back into a school setting and it's like, I'm now I'm at that fork in the road. It's like, do we want to go big? Do we want to take on an external investment? Do we want to like partner up with somebody else that can really, you know, we've got not opportunities knocking at our door all over the place, which is a wonderful thing. You know, but because it's been sort of a, a lifestyle business, we don't necessarily have the capital to back it up. So it's in a, I'm in a really interesting place now and so fortunate that I, I have been able to tip along this long, you know, with it being sort of a, a success and, you know, just enough that I, you know, it keeps me and my team living the kind of lifestyle that we want to. Everything that you say, I'm like, there's so much to unpack here. Um, it's such a, such a cool story. You're so passionate about this whole this whole lifestyle, like you said, that you've created, it's its really amazing. Was there a time that you remember being ex- exceptionally challenging, having your four kids and trying to balance Steamline at the same time? Um, it sounds like you're very, very hands-on with both your kids and the business. So I imagine that at certain points that has been um, more challenging than others. Was there ever a stage of life or a stage of childhood that you found really difficult to manage the two? Oh my God. I mean, so many, (laughs) I, I think, you know, the two that I think that's why it's such a, it's such an interesting topic. And I think like women in business and mothers in business, like really, you know, need to support each other because it, it is, it is challenging. I mean, it is no joke. And there are several, like I, I, after my, after a second son was born, my husband did step into the business, you know, step in and, you know, he helped turn it from, you know, turn the business model into an e-commerce model. And I really did need that extra like support. And I think, I think in retrospect, one of the more challenging things is just like finding that balance. And I probably found it a little late. You know, I feel like I was that mom, that new mom that was like constantly, you know, the baby playing on the floor or, and like checking my email on my phone and making sure that I was like caught up or I hadn't missed anything or, you know, and, and sometimes, I mean, that there were several points in there where I just felt like I'm, I'm not doing, I'm doing both things badly. I'm not doing anything well, you know, because you're kind of, you know, you're sleep, you're not able to like really fully absorb a child in that moment. And you're really not able to you know, focus on the business and put a hundred percent attention behind that. So I, I, so things did shift and I, I've really over the last six, seven, eight, six years, I've really tried hard to just like be very present with the children when I'm there and very present with the business when I'm there and not having this dancing mobile 
like connect connectivity that actually does make working remotely and everything else very flexible, you know, that you don't have to be tied to a desk or computer, but it also, it, it, it's a fine balance between doing both things well. You know, I think I, I really, I really believe in like just trying to be present in the moment, in the moment that you're in doing what you're doing. That's such a universal experience though. I've, I've talked to a lot of friends about the feeling of, you know, if you're working and raising kids at the same time, you're working outside the home and raising kids at the same time, I should say, you constantly feel mm-hmm. like you are not doing one of them well enough all the time. Like there is right. never a period at which you feel like you're doing both equally well and as right. well as you want to. And it's, I mean, it's kind of like a myth that you can do both at the same time and feel great about both of them. So everyone just kind of needs to be less hard on themselves because you're doing two really, really difficult things at once. Um you know, certainly that applies to women yeah, working because, outside the home, but also, I mean, I think women who are home all day because it's it's very hard to feel like you're doing a good job in general. Right. Mom guilt is real. Yeah, like mom absolutely. guilt is real. And so it's like business guilt, you yeah. know, like that, you know, because especially if you grew up in an area where like heart, being, pre- being in the job, working really hard at all hours, being the first in the office, the last to leave, you know, when all of a sudden that shifts and it's like, I got to go home because I got to like pick up my kids from school or I got to go home. It doesn't mean that I'm not like still thinking about my business in the shower or in the evenings or all night in the middle of the night. So you're, you're absolutely right. You know, just like going, being much easier on ourselves, much more forgiving and like, and, and just like trying, just trying your best to find a balance that works. And the balance shifts, you know, what worked for one child might not work for another child, you know, like at that phase of life that they're in, and everything else. So you know, it it, is a certain amount of, you know, flexibility is key. I mean, I can't, it's key with our some travel, it's key with the business, and it's key with motherhood. I just feel like being adaptable and being flexible is like a real superpower to success, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Flexibility is key. It really is. Easier said than done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that balance look like for you currently as you are running your business <laughs> raising four children yeah. and also traveling the world, changing locations fairly often. Um, you know, you can't probably establish the same kind of daily routine that, you know, every day I do X, Y, and Z, it, it changes a lot more. Um, so how do you balance everything in your current stage of life? Yeah, we, um, what we had been doing um, that, that did work pretty well for us. I mean, it depends on the time zones that you're in and when your <laughs> meetings are and everything else. But like, I think when we were in Columbia, like there was a really beautiful sweet spot because I, we'd get up super early, like both my husband and I would do work. And then we'd, um, and then we'd have breakfast, do homeschool, or like one of us would do the homeschool, um, you know, so we like kind of tag team that. Um, and then, and there we actually had help with, um, Felix as well. So it, when Felix is out of the equation, homeschool is much more efficient, <laughs> you know, cause he's three and he's just like on his own thing Toddlers. You know, and w- yeah. wants to do everything that they're doing, but exactly. He's a, yeah, exactly. And he was two, you know, at yeah. the time. so I think, um, and then, so we do homeschool and homeschool is like just, you know, two or three hours of like just really intensive work. And they're, they're, they're pretty good at it. I mean, it for sure it has its challenges and we can talk about that in a, another day (laughs) or but it's um and then and then we would and then we'd work again for you know for lunch in the early part of the afternoon and quiet time and then we'd probably go out on an adventure for the for the afternoon um and then we 
I like to say we do some work in the evenings, but like, unless we have calls, we try not to, because I'm one of those people that just like, if, if I do work late in the evenings, I'll brew on it all night. And it just doesn't, I kind of also realized that really early on that I or, or probably not as early as I should have, but like working in the evenings is not really good for my mental health. You know? So, um, so that, so that seemed to work for us really well, because especially in Columbia, we were, I, I aligned a lot of my meetings aligned with the East coast, um, time zone and with Ireland, you know, so I could, I, and I, I'm more of a morning person anyway. So that, that balance was really good for us. So, um, but again, it, it's, it, it kind of changes per, per country, but that sort of designated time for work, designated time for homeschool, and then designated time for a little bit of work again. And then family time was nice. And again, that in those periods, it's really, I think, uh, you know, it's like, if I'm with the kids, my phone is away, you know, so I'm not like tempted to like pick up and check emails and see if there's anybody buzzing me. And that when I'm with, and when I'm with working, I try as hard as I can to just sort of like, okay, corner myself off, mom's working, just leave me alone for a little bit, I'll come play with you. And they're usually really good about it because they know if they're gonna get that concentrated time later, it works. Yeah, that makes sense, definitely. Um... Do you think that it's more difficult to do what you're doing? It almost sounds like you you have created such a, a strong sense of a nuclear family that um, having like an extensive support system isn't as necessary um, on a day-to-day basis, I should say. Like, you know, having the, the balance of teachers helping out and family coming, stopping by to watch kids. Um, is there anything about that kind of traditional support system when you've really been somewhere a long time and have roots down and, you know, have all the routines? Is there anything about that that you miss? Every single aspect of it every single aspect I miss you know I it's that's a really interesting question no one's ever asked me that but I I do miss all of it you know my mother-in-law was a huge support when we were living in Ireland we had a nanny at the house that we absolutely adored um that was probably our biggest challenge when we started it was like a figuring out how to spend so much time together all the time and how that was going to sort of operate. And then also just like um, not having that support network at our hands. And, and truthfully, you know, we usually find something we find, we find somebody to help look after Felix or, or make sure that the kids are have activities so that they feel like they've got an external outlet from the family, each place that we go. But, but every time we go to a new place, I worry about it. I like get really anxious right before we go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how are we going to find another, you know, Jeanette or Maria or something like that? Are we going to find somebody else to like help us in this next phase? It's, it, 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 it feels so that, that really does resonate with me. And I do miss that a lot. And it's one thing I keep saying, you know, like our lifestyles abroad are really different than our lifestyle in Ireland. You know, we, we abroad were, trying to go, you know, we're in slightly like maybe like cheaper countries to live. So our, we can, we, we, um, we're staying in like bigger houses with swimming pools in Ireland. We just like haven't, you know, nor, you know, well, we actually don't even have a house right now, but we were renting a, just a normal size house. And I'm, and, and I'm very aware that what we're going to be doing is swapping like this sort of luxury lifestyle for community. And I'm a hundred percent okay with that. Like everybody is like, we're all like, you know, to be reinserted back to our friends and our family and our community there in Ireland, we're all like very much miss and look for and are looking forward to as well as, um, so yeah, thanks. That's a, that's a really good question. I hadn't, I hadn't articulated ever before. (laughs) 
Well, and I'm sure it's given you perspective. Like you said, you're kind of switching some of the luxuries of traveling a lot um, with the stability of the support system when you go back home. Um, and it sounds like your family has just been learned to be very self-sufficient, but also very open to finding new forms of support and new communities in all the places that you go to, which is really a great skill for kids if you think about, you know, through their life when they leave home and move out on their own and either go to college or, you know, travel or go to trade school, whatever they choose to do, um, they need to find their new support systems and their new, you know, their new normal. So it's it's such a great lesson in adaptability for them too to see you guys model that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I hope so. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure like how much they know it goes into the working, you know, to, to how I, I, I suspect they do. And, 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 and I guess more than anything, you know, that adaptability of, uh, of becoming, making strangers friends really quickly is important. You know, we don't have stranger danger. We don't have, you know, feel so maybe, yeah, maybe that, maybe that will filter through their lives. And, and I, and, and now that you say that, and, and thanks for bringing it, I, I am going to foster like a sense of a support system in a community because I mean, we talk about it all the time with women and mothers and, and, and businesses, you know, and entrepreneurs, you know, so like, why not with like uh, a family and even developing it in, in the kids themselves. So yeah, that's a really, really great observation and a point. Yeah, well, you guys have a lot of uh, great experiences, certainly, that you're giving your kids. Um, it's it's really amazing. Do you, when you're traveling, is there anything that you do for yourself? Um, it sounds like your days are pretty packed. Obviously, with four kids, there's probably not a ton of time left in the day to sit and relax alone. But is there anything that you've consistently done for yourself that kind of maintains your sanity with all these changes and all these um, different <laughs> different lifestyles that are happening for you? I think everyone in my family knows that I'm a better person, mother, wife, friend, <laughs> with a little headspace. You know, just a little bit. I don't I don't need a lot because I can go days without it. You know, but um, and certainly living at home and normally when I'm in a routine, you know, I was you know. I've either been really into running or been went through like a decade of just really being into yoga. And so I think um, if I can, I think it's hard. I, I, and I think, I think most moms probably feel this way. It's like really hard to pull yourself away to say, okay, you know what? I actually need time for myself. Like I, this, in this tends to be a similar conversation that comes up with moms, right? It's like, I'm, um, that, you know, it's really, it is, it is hard to carve out that time for yourself. So my husband's super supportive about that. If he, 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 he knows it's like, okay, take a time out, go for a walk, you know, or, and here it's been really wonderful. Like the sunrise walks on the beach are amazing moments, you know, and they're actually, is a yoga class around the corner that I can like pop into. And so just like an, a half an hour, an hour every day, of just like a little bit of headspace or, or not every day, but like regularly enough, like really keeps, keeps me going. We touched on this a little bit earlier at the beginning of our conversation, but I'm curious to talk about it just a little bit more. Um, you have four boys, which is amazing. Do you think that there are any specific challenges to raising boys versus girls? I've been asking this of all the um, single uh, sex families that I've talked to lately because I think it's such an interesting discussion to have. Do you focus on raising boys differently than you think you would raise girls or, or what are the challenges associated with it? I mean, 
I mean, I don't know because I don't have girls, but yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do. I, I, when I was pregnant with Felix, I met an editor of a high profile magazine who was fabulously elegant at a PR event for Seamline. And she had said, you know, she had said to me, like, I said, oh yeah, I'm having another boy, fourth boy, you know? And she said, just remember when your boys are running around the restaurant like mad and the girls are sitting coloring in a corner quietly, come teenage years, your boys will be your best friends and the girls will be wrecking their parents' heads, you know? Yeah, so like, so true. you know, and she told me, she told me how her older teenage and 20 year old boys, you know, two boys went everywhere with her and even one had become a photographer at the fashion shows that she attended, you know? So I was like, yes, yes, I'm going to hold on to that, you know? But like, other than that, like my boys are pretty, I mean, they're for sure they're boys, you know, but I don't, they, they, they're sensitive. They've got long hair. One of my boys picked out girly flip-flops and lets me like braid his hair sometimes, you know? So like, I mean, sometimes I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think we just try to, just raise them as like good people as opposed to like the, the the gender part of it who or what inspires you as a mom are there any specific people other women that you know women that you've encountered in your travels i i'm really lucky to have such close connections with um with so many great women in my life you know um i think you know my own mom having raised us in a really loving and supportive household. Um, and even cause my dad traveled a lot for work. And so probably single parenting a lot um, more than I ever actually realized. And my mother-in-law is unstoppable energy. She's so amazing and supportive with us. And I love her carefree attitude. Anything goes, um, the more the merrier, you know, don't take your shoes off in the house, just come in as you are, even though her house is like absolutely impeccable. Um, and then any of my mommy friends, like those that I've that I've kept close from growing up from my from from the states and from being home, and and in Ireland, I just I, I I adore them all. I respect them all. I'm inspired by them all. I'm honored to be you know like to know them as friends and to be able to just like share. Um, I, I I like connections with women more than I I'm, I'm less drawn to like the social media. Um, uh, you know, sort of like aspect of role modeling than like just when you can really um, drill down with people on on the stuff that you know when there's like a sh an exchange, I guess. But um, I I I'm I'm so lucky. The women that I'm surrounded by, I just I I do adore and admire, and you know, as like as like mothers and leaders in their own right. Well, it sounds like you've also just had the opportunity to meet a ton of amazing people and I'm sure women who have shown you different perspectives on life and parenting, um, certainly different cultures approach parenting and motherhood so differently. So I'm sure you've really benefited from seeing all of that firsthand and witnessing it and taking the best parts from each each thing that you find. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I haven't got a chance to really reflect on it that much, but I, I mean, I, but I'm sure, you know, I think it's, um, you know, certainly the way that people raise children all over the world is really different, but they all, but it's all anchored in the same place, in the same love and care and support and just letting and, and, and trying to let children grow up to be their own personalities and their own people rather than trying to fit them in a certain mold. And I think that that global perspective 
is probably really useful. And, you know, it's we always talk about not judging other moms, which is easier said than done. Um, I think we've all had a moment of judging other moms, but knowing that globally, you know, different people do things differently is a really good reminder of <laughs> there's very little that's going to mess up your kids. You know, we all have our own approach. And as long as you're there, right. and you, it's it, like you said, it's founded in love. It's they're going to be okay. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Right, exactly. Last question. I've loved this conversation. Uh, where can listeners find you mm. um, both to check out Steamline and you personally? Um, we, well, steamlineluggage.com is our website. Steamline Luggage um, is our Instagram handle. And um, Steamline with Sarah is my own um, personal one that, that I just usually just share little bits to family and friends and everything else, you know, so I'm not super active on it all the time, but I do drop things in. So where we are, what we're doing, um, certain moments, you know, and things like that. So Steamline with Sarah um, for sort of our adventures and mommy, you know, motherhood mommying (laughs) and the kids. And then um, Steamline Luggage is our, is our, is our business. Amazing. And I will link both of those in the show notes for listeners so they can check it out. So thank you so much for your time today. Your story is just so amazing. I'm like inspired to go book a plane ticket. (laughs) And if you are, or if any of your listeners are ever thinking about something like this um, and just want to talk to me, please reach out to me anytime. It's just Sarah at Steamline or by my Instagram. I'd love to, I, I can give this sort of topic a lot of space i'll give any topic a lot of space (laughs) but um but um no i think it's really it's it i I know it's a little different and it seems sort of daunting but it's it's not and it's rewarding more than you'd ever imagine you can check out steamline luggage online at steamlineluggage.com or on instagram at steamline luggage sarah's personal instagram is at steamline with sarah all links are included in the show notes and on motherhooddesign.com. Her guest list post on the Motherhood Design website also contains links to all other episode mentions and shout outs. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and the small business owners it features. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating or review on Apple or Spotify. I really appreciate your support in doing so. You can also follow along with the podcast at Motherhood Designed on Instagram or on motherhooddesign.com for more info about guests, including their mentions and recommendations from each episode. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and until next time, take care.